Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Boris Johnson and the UK still in the midst of Brexit and trying to figure out what they are going to do. Uh, last week we were talking about an extension in 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 the whole uh, negotiations and such. Boris Johnson didn't want to do that. Now, obviously, that has happened. Uh, it looks like the EU is in agreement with that. Now, Boris Johnson uh, talking about another election to try to make sense of all of this. Dr. Andrew Glencross is with us, Senior Lecturer, Department of Politics and International Relations, Aston University in Birmingham, and is with us now. Andrew, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. My pleasure, Scott. Uh, Andrew, before we get into the politics of the day, I I just can't, and I know it's not your area of expertise, but uh, I just want to know if you have some comments on what we're hearing around the world in regard to uh, the discovery of 39 bodies in that truck. Uh, Your thoughts, and, you know, I'm thinking to myself, this is one terrible, horrific tragedy in all of this. You have to wonder how many of these vehicles actually get through and, and deliver their cargo. Uh, Andrew, what are your thoughts on all of this? Yes, it's a very shocking case, and Boris Johnson was one of the first to give his, his condolences and to express just, just how um, awful the news was when this um, first broke. And I think I absolutely share your perspective that it seems like this could be the tip of a, a very large and really unpleasant iceberg if you think about the traffic in human cargo and what it means for the lives lost and the families of the bereaved it really is truly awful uh were you surprised to hear that uh, and again this is still on uh, unverified the story is still very fluid that these uh, the chinese they could be chinese nationals or are chinese nationals Well, it is a surprise if you think that the big um, waves of migration in Europe of late have come from areas which are subject to civil war and all sorts of other crises. Exactly. So it's a bit of a surprise, perhaps, to hear that they might be Chinese nationals. But at the same time, it also isn't a surprise to hear that this could be linked to really quite powerful people smuggling gangs, of Mm -hmm. which connections to China are an important part of that um, unsavory business and it shows just how important borders and border controls are to actually keeping people safe getting this uh, and here's my last question on this but but sort of circling around to brexit how will this change the discussion uh, around borders and such does this does this does does this incident change the brexit discussion at all well it certainly intersects intersects with that whole discussion because if it is about taking back control over borders then you need to have the resources you need to have the intelligence to deal with challenges such as these and the problem is that we've been talking about all these issues in the abstract about getting a deal through parliament and so on and yet on the ground the reality is that there needs to be more enforcement there needs to be better policy making and um, preparations at in the various ports of entry, and that isn't, doesn't seem to be happening on the ground yet. So lots of challenges ahead for the British government when it's taken up, so much of its time is taken up by Brexit. Does this, you know, obviously the great thing about Europe is you can go from place to place to place. Does this, does this um, strengthen the argument for the need for borders? How, how does that discussion play? Well, I mean, there is this border-free travel area in Europe called Schengen, which the UK isn't part of. So in that sense, it's not really necessarily to do with that, the absence of borders. It's 
certainly, though, to do with the idea about resources and the determination of criminal gangs, perhaps, to try and get through and to pay people, to get people to pay them large sums of money to do that. So it is also a question of intelligence, police enforcement, all the kind of things that people expect their government to to do. And that doesn't matter if it's the EU level, it's the local level yeah. or the national level. So I think it just shows that... Mm citizens also want a responsive and responsible government, which Brexit is unfortunately perhaps getting in the way of. Hmm. Uh, all right, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson finally abandoning, abandoning the promise of an October Brexit. It looks like the extension, and we'll talk more about that in a sec, but now he's talking about a December election. Explain this to us, and how's this playing in the UK? Well, I'm not sure if it's a seasonal favourite in Canada as well. But this is coming up now to pantomime season in Britain, which is a season of really silly theatrical performances. And a lot of what's going on now in the last 24 hours is has been pretty silly because Boris Johnson, he won a vote, the first vote ever on getting a deal through Parliament to eventually leave the EU. And yet now he says he's not going to take that any further unless he gets an election which will be the subject of a vote on Monday, but which doesn't seem likely to actually succeed. So we're just going around in circles, unfortunately, and that's really quite off-putting to a lot of people. So talk about, let's go back to the extension, or the extension, and we'll, and we'll try to do this in order because uh, it is so complicated. Um, at, initially, he was against extending this in any way, did not want to go back uh, to the EU. Uh, where is the EU on the extension? Uh, how long can they just keep awarding extensions? Because I remember when the last one was awarded, they sort of said, that's it. Uh, how did we get to where we are? So we're now on to what would be the third extension. So that's being agreed at the ambassadorial level. So there hasn't been a meeting like uh, 10 days ago of the heads of state and government of EU countries. It's just been dealt with at a more bureaucratic level. And they've said, okay, in principle, the UK can have the third extension of Brexit, the actual deadline for leaving the EU in legal terms. But they haven't actually given a date for when that extension would actually run to. So we're in this limbo situation of having now an agreement for an extension that Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, doesn't want, but which is going to be dependent on whether or not he gets an election to go through Parliament on Monday. And so it could be still a long time before we actually get any certainty about how long that extension will be, because on Monday, Boris Johnson may find that Parliament won't accede to his request to actually call an election. So again, we just don't know where this is going to end up, and the EU is waiting for the UK Parliament to try and make up its mind. It, obviously, Boris Johnson is just keeping sort of muddling this along until he gets an election. Is that accurate? It seems to be the case, although there is an argument to say that he actually has some momentum, he had some momentum, on the basis of getting the votes to pass the second reading of the withdrawal agreement bill, the first time that any prime minister succeeded, Theresa May tried three times, and it was the fourth time when she was about to fail on the fourth time that she actually resigned. So he's actually got much further than Theresa May, and yet now he seems to be wanting to put that on ice until he gets an election, where he could be trying to push that forward. But it seems as if his ploy is 
to not have actually succeeded in Brexit, in actually accomplishing Brexit by the time he goes before the voters, so that he avoids any potential blame about the kind of Brexit that he will have achieved. So uh, Brexit deal or election, what comes first? It's really hard to say right now because the Labour Party, Jeremy Corbyn, the leader of the opposition Labour Party, is saying that he thinks that this could be, this idea of calling election could be a kind of backdoor, nefarious move to try and get a situation in which you still get a no-deal scenario because if you call an election, then parliamentary business grinds to a halt and lo and behold, maybe then there's an accidental falling out of the EU without a deal. So he thinks it's a trick, so he won't vote for an election. So at the moment, it seems as if we are just going to have to wait and wait to see if Parliament budges and calls then an election. And then on that basis, we can see whether the extension will actually allow the UK to hold the extension, wait for it to hold the election, wait until the results are in, have a new Parliament to vote on the agreement hmm. again. It's really crazy. Is So, uh, since Boris Johnson obviously wants out of the EU, he's the one pushing for the deal, he's the one also pushing for an election, is it safe to say that there, with the momentum that Boris Johnson has, and if he eventually gets a, an election or, or even the deal, whatever does come first, there's no chance of another referendum? Because at one time we were, t- everybody was thinking, well, maybe the, you know, if there's an election, then a, a referendum will end up coming out of this. But obviously, if the momentum's in Boris Johnson's favor and he's not looking for that, uh, it, it appears the chances of another referendum are, are slimmer now. Is that accurate? I think that's true. But the outlier there, the unknown variable, still is the position of the Democratic Unionist Party in Northern Ireland, the people who were supposed to get on board with this deal in order to get the votes through in Parliament to help Boris Johnson's Conservative Party, but they said no. They said no. They didn't agree as well for the timing of how to actually hold the scrutiny of that deal. And on that basis, they scuppered the chance, which was still a slim chance, of leaving by the end of this month. And now they're saying that the deal is terrible. They're the ones saying now that it sacrifices the interests of Northern Ireland. And on that basis, if they pivot to supporting another referendum, it may prove to be, in a sense, the trigger for getting a parliament, if if there isn't an election, if it's still the same parliament, if the DUP says, let's go for another referendum, there might then be the momentum within the current parliament to try and get that to unlock the situation whereby we don't know if we're going to actually leave, we don't know if there's going to be another election, so there's just so much uncertainty. Uh, It almost seems like uh, Brexit will be a death by extension. I mean, you just keep, keep, keep kicking this can down the road, down the road, down the road, down the road until somebody, you know, calls an election. It, all, it almost seems, and we've talked about this before, I believe, it almost seems as if it's easier to get a deal to create a better European Union that everyone can agree on than it will be to create a Brexit deal. Yes, there's definitely a sort of Belgian surrealist element to all of this about it being almost impossible to to find a way out and that the only thing that's keeping the UK in is 
these series of extensions. The problem is that we might only be we might only have witnessed the first type of extension, so the extension of the withdrawal negotiations, because if a withdrawal is actually completed, then you get into another phase, which is a transition phase, where the UK is technically out, but still applies all EU rules. And on the basis of the agreement as it stands, that transition would end at the end of 2020. So there's a good chance then that you could get withdrawal before that date, but then have to extend the transition. Yeah. So we could be definitely wow. into a round of future extensions mm. of a different legal nature, which is just, I mean, it's an incredible and frightening zombie-like um, scenario. Maybe this seems really naive, but is anybody at the EU saying, hey, so what will it take for you guys to stay? The problem with that is that it sounds like a sensible and rational move to make, but they can't really do anything at the EU level to interfere with domestic politics, to actually try and say, look, here's an alternative. Everything has to come from the UK side of things. So that would require a different type of approach from essentially a different government. And at the moment, we've only had governments since 2016 that have said, definitely, let's pursue Brexit. Let's make sure we actually have quite a hard version of leaving the EU, withdrawing from legal, um, the legal reach of the Court of Justice and all of these different institutional um, facets. But that could change. If we have a different government, then the EU could certainly say the extension charade has lasted long enough and now it's time to discuss an alternative. It seems that a solution is lost in the protocol. It is and it isn't because the protocols are there as well to make sure that decisions aren't taken too hastily. Yes. To make sure the decisions, yep. in a sense, aren't just the result of a default scenario, an accident. Otherwise, we would have left end of March of this year already. And I don't think the economy and British society would have been at all ready for, for the consequences of that. But at the moment, it doesn't seem that we'll ever be able to face those consequences, especially if we put off another election. So Boris Johnson is probably right in saying that there needs to be an election, but the chances are as well that election might be equally inconclusive, just as the Theresa May election that she called mm. in 2017 was. Uh, Dr. Andrew Glencross is with us from Aston University in Birmingham. What, uh, getting back to this horrific situation with the 39 victims found in the truck, I can imagine how that is playing in the UK back at home. Um, at, at, and we certainly know of, and we've talked before on this show with you in regard to the, the frustration and, and the feeling of helplessness that's inside the UK as this whole thing is stalled. Is this sort of event enough to make people of the UK say, all right, enough is enough with this. We're not doing the basic things we need to do as government to protect life and stuff like this meaning the, the 39 dead, is another example of that. We need, well, we, we need our government to focus on, on, on us instead of all of this other Brexit deal. Well, there's a palpable sense of people wanting to have decisions taken that actually get away from just debating big issues yeah. and actually starting to deal with the nitty-gritty of implementing and enforcing policies that are, are there to basically protect a way of life, a standard of living. And, of course, 
it's a dramatic failure on the part of all the authorities involved, including obviously various authorities on the European side, about having a situation where people can die in such awful, in awful conditions. And that actually creates, I think, momentum to move the conversation, to actually talk about politics as policy-making, policy-implementation. But all of that has been on hold pretty much since 2016. And it seems as if Boris Johnson, who is quite attuned to those sentiments, is nonetheless walking away from being able to start fixing things if he's trying to get into a situation of getting an election which doesn't actually materialize. So we're really in catch-22. And and no signs of coming out the other end at this point either. Uh, Dr. Andrew Glencross is with us, Senior Lecturer, Department of Politics and International Relations, Aston University in Birmingham. Andrew, thank you so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Thank you. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.